Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our big Browns Chargers preview podcast. We are starting again outdoors today. It's Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and me. And so we're going to have our normal segments. Lance Reisland is coming up. He's going to give us a Chargers breakdown. Uh, then Ashley's going to rejoin us along with uh, Irie Harris and Doug Maurice. We're going to give you picks, prop bets, all that stuff like you normally expect from these pods. But of course, the first segment is always... Something you need to know. Three things you need to know about this game on Sunday. Mary Kay, what have you got? Well, the number one thing that you need to know about this game on Sunday is that Miles Garrett is going to come bounding back from his accident and try to not only sack Justin Herbert multiple times, but also along the way set the Cleveland Browns record. Uh break Clay Matthews' record of 62 official team sacks. So it's a big, big day for Miles. Uh, You know, everybody's excited and happy to have him back. We had that little encounter with him yesterday, winked at the camera. Uh, Joe Woods told us today that, you know, there's a pretty good chance he's going to play, and all signs are pointing that way. So Miles Garrett, and uh, they have a rookie left tackle, uh, Jamarie Salyer. We're going to learn to say that on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. But anyways, so he's coming off of a good game, but he did not face the likes of Miles Garrett. Not only did he not face the likes of Miles Garrett, he didn't face the likes of Miles Garrett coming off of a life-threatening accident and having a newfound appreciation for life and the game of football. So that is my thing to watch. Can I admit something? Sure. Is this a safe place? Yeah. I completely forgot about the sack record. Oh. <laughs> completely forgot wow. about the sack I think record. I feel like it kind of fell by the wayside, right? Because we were all sort of anticipating he would do it against the Steelers and then didn't. So that's we been two weeks. We thought he would do it against the, the Jets. Jets, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I think since then, yeah, you're right. It hasn't really been in the forefront after his accident. But I, I did remember, but it was because I read the game notes today and it oh, was in there. See. So okay. I'm doing my due diligence over here. Well, I apparently, I, as I've admitted, I don't read the game notes very closely, if at all. Uh, but yeah, so there's a post somewhere in our system ready to go when he breaks the record that I put together like two weeks ago. And I just completely forgot. Like, it didn't happen that game. It didn't happen against the... The Steelers, out of sight, out of mind, I guess, against yeah. the Falcons. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Could be a record-breaking day. We'll have to see if it actually happens this time again. 
Uh, it's a rookie that he's going against, so you would think that he should be able to get the sack. But uh, Justin Herbert is going to try to get that ball out very quickly, and uh, they're going to do everything they possibly can to neutralize Miles, and it will be easier to do that if Jadavian Clowney doesn't play. And it doesn't sound like he's 100% sure he's ready to go, and therefore they can devote a little extra attention to Miles. I think there's a little more sizzle if he gets it against Justin Herbert. More so than, like, Flacco or Mitch Trubisky. It might have worked out. You might, might, you might get it against a guy who could be a, a potential Hall of Famer one day. Yeah. So there you go. Um, okay. Well, Miles Garrett has a sack record. Great. That's something I needed to know. I needed to be reminded of. <laughs> Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, so mine is going to be, I guess, more Chargers related, but just reminding people, even though Justin Herbert has been playing through this rib injury, it's probably going to be a non-factor, I would guess, in this game. Now, just a reminder, he fractured his rib cartilage against Kansas City in Week 2. He returned in that game, was in obvious pain, and then immediately a throw later made one of the best throws we'll see all season on fourth down. But if you watch those games, well, the Jaguars game, we everyone, I think, collectively has wiped from their memory in that loss. But last week against the Texans, he looked pretty much back to normal watching the replay of that one. If anything, maybe slightly more uh, hesitant to make plays with his feet. But obviously, that's not the most important part of his game anyway. So I think, like, John Johnson 3 said it best earlier this week. They will get torched, was the word he used, if this secondary is not on their toes. Because one of the things just... Justin Herbert does best is process the game, and he's going to see those breakdowns very easily. Who was it today that basically admitted that he he's not running as that he'll slide down? I think it was, was Joe it, Woods. Was it Joe Woods? Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, Joe it was. Woods. It was Joe Woods who was the only one all week that was you know willing to admit that maybe Justin Herbert yeah. is just still a little bit yeah. impacted by this injury now. When seven days goes by and you have seven days more of treatment and Mm -hmm. lasers and dry needling and all these other things that they do, uh, you know, he's going to be that much better this week than he even was last week. So what they saw on film, I don't think they can count on that. I think they have to approach this as though he's going to be almost fully healthy, even though he's really not. Mm -hmm. I think they have to think of it in terms of he's going to be the Justin Herbert that they saw last year. And Ashley, I mean, you said it. He's still making the throws. Like, when you go back and watch that Texans game, there wasn't a play outside of, you know, there was the scramble where he slid down at the line. Outside of that stuff, he's making every throw you expect him to make. Arm angles, on the move. You know, there's there, he doesn't look limited throwing the football. It does he's not grimacing every time he throws the football. So that's the most dangerous thing is, is what he can do with his arm. And of course, you know, we're going to get into this probably in the in the prop bets and, and the prediction segment. But their ability to hit those big plays and, and he took advantage of two big ones last year at SoFi Stadium when these two teams met uh, and and the Chargers won in that shootout. So he's he's going to be able to sling it around again. And this pass defense has to be ready for it. Yeah, and I think it's it's definitely like by far, you know, the joke leading up to this point is this fake debate we've been having about who's the best quarterback the Browns defense has had to face this season. I think we landed on Mitch, right? It was it's either Mitch or Mariota, probably. Yeah. But um, it, it, there's just no co- contest after after this week. It's going to be Justin Herbert. He's the toughest test they're going to have this year and I mean it says a lot about the Chargers that like they kind of are where they are and they haven't really gotten their run game going yet I mean Austin yeah. Eckler is obviously involved in both but the reason they have the number one pass offense is because of, of what Justin Herbert is still able to do even when he's hurt and I think uh you know it's also important to note 
that he might have Keenan Allen back this week. And if he's got Keenan Allen back, that changes the game. I mean, he's so good, as, as we all know. And, uh, you know, that's going to put an enormous strain on this defensive secondary, especially at a time when they're trying not to give up that big play. They're trying to make sure that they've got their communication down. Uh, they're trying to overcome all the heat that they're taking for their fourth quarter meltdowns. Uh, so I think that'll be a huge factor. Yeah, him combined with Mike Williams. I mean, the two of the two of the best, probably one of the best receiver combos in, in the league when, when those two are playing really well and the, the quarterback, of course, is throwing it around. So I guess I'm going to go with the other defensive end, and that's Jadavion Clowney. Sounds like Miles Garrett is going to play not as much optimis- optimism about JD from both Joe Woods and Jadavion himself, Mary Kay. He spoke to us, we're recording this on Thursday, he spoke to us today, and he kind of made it clear, like, if he doesn't feel like he's ready, he's not going to go. He doesn't want to injure this thing and, and keep himself out long term or, or hurt himself down the line. Yeah, he's been through a lot in his career. He's missed somewhere in the neighborhood of about 36 games with different injuries, starting with the very first game of his career as a rookie when he tore his meniscus in his right knee and had to undergo microfracture surgery, which involves drilling holes in the knee and hoping that a uh, cartilage-like substance grows up in there and cushions the knee. Uh, so he's had a lot of problems since then, and as he mentioned, uh, you can you uh, you come back from microfracture about 50% of the time. Here he is nine years later. He's grateful to still be playing, but I think it really has impacted him throughout his entire career, and he's had some residual injuries before because of it. So from that standpoint, he's learned over the years do not rush yourself back. You want to be healthy for the, the long stretch. He wants to be around when his good buddy Deshaun Watson gets back in the last six games of the season, and they could be in the playoff hunt, right? I mean, he doesn't want to take himself out for any of that. So I think if he has his way, he'll sit this one out. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I think it's like he didn't rule himself out, right? Like, And that's kind of typically, I think, how these guys are. They want to go day-to-day, but... I think just given the way he has talked about himself, his own journey, all of these injuries he's experienced, kind of like what Mary Kay said, he's not going to unnecessarily risk something, especially this early in the season. And I think, honestly, like, it'll be a weight off of everyone's shoulders if you at least get Miles Garrett back. Like, that in and of itself makes a huge difference. Still not ideal because without Jadavian Clowney, it's easier to game plan for Miles Garrett, send double teams his way, chip blocks, all those things. But, you know, it still is a boost compared to what you had last week when three of your, you know, starting defensive linemen were out with Taven Bryan as well, still dealing with that hamstring injury last week. So um, if you get Miles Garrett and Taven Bryan back, that's two of the three. That's not bad. You know what I like about Jadavian? He, he doesn't just stand up there and lie. He just kind of no. says what he wants. I think it was last year after it was the last game of the season or the last home game of the season, he said something about, like, his free agency and I'm going to go where they pay me the most. And today it was, you know, he he certainly, like, he wants to get out there and play. I don't want to give the impression that he's, like, looking for a way to not play, but he was very honest with us, I thought. Like, if I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And and I'm not going to push it and risk hurting myself more. Well, how's this for honest? I'm going to go wherever Deshaun Watson goes. <laughs> yes. He said he would have gone to Atlanta if Deshaun Watson had gone to Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Jadavian Clowney is unabashedly himself. 
and that's what makes him so fun to talk to and such a good guy, and it's one of the reasons why all the players on this team just really, really like him so much. He's just he's yeah. funny, he's down to earth, he's a cool guy to talk to, and uh, and he was just honest about that today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he uh, he's making no promises. He did say that, like, every time he walks around the, the building, everybody's always telling him, we need you, we're counting on you. But he's trying to, you know, sort of block that out and do what he knows is best. The one other line from today, too, in terms of honesty, somebody asked him, oh, can you play if you haven't practiced? He's like, I've played before and not practiced. <laughs> like, he, that's not going to phase him at all, because I know I saw some questions about that on Twitter and stuff. But this is a guy, he doesn't need to yeah. be at every practice at this stage of his career. And honestly, it's probably better for you know him to get some of these, even when he's healthy, like we call him veteran days off. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, we've got two trucks backing up somewhere, and I can't see them. We've got, like, dueling <laughs> trucks backing up somewhere. So my apologies to your ears if uh, if you've been listening here for the last two minutes. And I'm like, what is going on? We're going to go back indoors. Mary Kay and I are going to talk to Lance Riceland. Uh He's going to tell us all about the Chargers. Then Ashley's going to rejoin us uh, after that, along with Doug Lay, Maurice, and Irie Harris. We're going to do prop bets. We're going to do picks. That's all coming up on our big Browns-Chargers preview. But first, our first break of the podcast. Right as the truck stop. Oh, my God. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our big Browns Chargers preview show. We now welcome on Lance Reisland to tell us all about the Chargers. Lance, how are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Lance. Uh, you know, I want to start with one of the most obvious things about this game, and that is the Browns going up against Justin Herbert. And in your film study so far, I'm wondering, uh, what do you think the Browns can do to try to, uh, you know, just diminish him a little bit and not let him completely take over the game and torch them uh, like John Johnson said could possibly happen? So and with Miles possible, well, with Miles being back and Jadavian not being back, you know, how might that impact the game? Well, I think, first of all, they're going to have to be very sound. They've had a lot of blown coverages uh, so far this year, so they're going to have to be very sound. Watching Herbert on film, the first thing that sticks out to me is is his ability to process information quickly and get the ball out. So he's going to know uh, coverages that are blown. He's going to know where the weaknesses are. So the first thing the Browns got to do is just play solid defense. Um, I think it would be sound for them to keep the ball in front. Um, like I said, he's, he's long. He's athletic. He processes information very well. Um, he's that athleticism allows him to throw from different platforms. Uh, so defensive line is going to have to stay in their, uh, their rush lanes. Uh, they're going to have to be kind of boring on defense. I don't know if you stop a guy like Justin Herbert, but you got to make him earn it. Uh, they are pretty one-dimensional right now. They're not running the ball very well. Um, he's the kind of quarterback you don't win with, you win because of. Uh, there's only a handful of guys like that. So I think initially the Browns have to keep everything in front, um, make them go the long way and not give up big plays. And, uh, the more plays they run, uh, the more chance for mistakes. Um, hopefully that back end uh, has shored up some of their communication issues. Um, but I think they're up for the challenge. They have some big receivers that are going to have to uh, – that tight end, Everett, I've been real impressed with on film. So they got some matchup issues they're going to have to worry about for sure. So, you know, when you look at Herbert, and obviously one of the stories is that rib cartilage injury. And, you know, it seems like maybe he's a little hesitant to run, but, you know, based on what I've watched – doesn't seem like he's throwing the ball with any less velocity, any less he's not any less decisive than he normally is. Did you notice any anything that maybe could be indicative of that injury bothering him? Well, like you said, in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, he goes down quick. He go, he gets a uh, quick pass rush and he goes down quick. 
Um, I would say with him, the way he throws the ball, he's so mechanically sound that he's not a torque thrower. So he doesn't need the lower body as much as a lot of quarterbacks do. A lot of quarterbacks that we, you know, that you watch on Sunday in terms of he doesn't have to generate all that hip strength and all that hip torque, um, which obviously would cause a lot of strain on that rib. So I just think his his mechanics and his arm strength allow him not to have too much pressure on those ribs. But I do think they're sore. You can tell um, when he's pressured a little bit, the feet are uh, hair happy. Um, but he's just got such arm talent that he's, I, I think he's able to make up for it. What about the matchup of these receivers, especially if Keenan Allen comes back? Uh, we don't know for sure about that yet. But the matchup of these receivers, you know, big Mike Williams uh, and these guys against the Browns cornerbacks. What do you see there? Well, the when you're big like that, that creates a problem. Usually a big body receiver comes with long arms, big hands, uh, strong so if you're talking red zone matchups, if you're talking man coverage, they're going to win those 50-50 balls. And in the NFL, uh, there are not a lot of wide open guys, especially in the red zone. So they give you a, they give you a matchup uh, issues there. The Chargers also like the RPOs. Um, they also like um, to get the ball into the zones. And those receivers with those big catch radiuses are just easier to throw to, uh, especially if it's an RPO. They get themselves between the quarterback and the defender. Uh, if it's a zone, they sit in that zone. Uh, it makes it very easy for a quarterback because there's a there's a, a lot of room for error when you're long. And that's what those big body receivers do. And, and initially, the red zone is where you worry about the matchups um, because that, that is a problem um, for smaller corners. So when you look at a, another weapon that they have on offense, um, is it's Austin Eckler, and they don't run the ball a ton. That You know, they're not going to sit there and well, who knows? They might after watching that tape from Sunday, but they're they're probably not going to run a drive where they run the ball 10 times with Eckler. But he's very involved in the passing game. A lot of targets, one of the highest targeted running backs in the league, maybe the highest targeted running back in the league. What what does he do so well, especially he almost had a little bit of a breakout on Sunday? Well, like you said, he has 27 receptions. I think I was shocked about going to the film room. They're not running the ball, which kind of it kind of shows you the elite level that Herbert's playing at because they're not running the ball very well at all. Um, I feel like he's the glue. He's kind of the security blanket for uh, Herbert in terms of uh, if you look in the fourth uh, fourth quarter, they had a fourth and one. It was a huge play. Uh, they threw a little back out of the backfield. Uh, same play they threw for a uh, touchdown uh, late in the game to kind of uh, secure that game and, and kind of wrap that game up. So um, I think when they need a play, uh, when they need a touch, when they need a person to make um, kind of Herbert kind of feel comfortable, He's kind of the guy. Now, they are running a little bit better, but they don't run that power run game, per se, that, that the Browns have seen, which is good for those Browns right now because they're not handling those double teams very well. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be out of the backfield is going to be an issue, and we're going to have to they're going to have to make sure they have a hat for him uh, everywhere he goes, for sure. I have one more question about the, the uh, offensive side of the ball, and that is I'm curious about this matchup between Miles Garrett and the rookie, Jamari Salyer. Uh, I know he's coming off a pretty good game, but still he hasn't faced the likes of Miles Garrett yet. What are you seeing there? Well, there's going to have to be uh, it, the Chargers are going to have to chip. They're going to have to help that rookie. So they're going to have to leave their tight end in. They're going to have to, which is good because Everett is a very good receiver. So they're going to have to chip. Uh, they're going to have to chip with uh, Eckler a little bit. I think they're going to have to help him. Um, you cannot leave a rookie. You can't leave any tackle alone with, with Miles Garrett, in my opinion, especially when you watch him on film week after week after week. Um, he bends too well. He's around the corner too fast. So I look early on, especially in formation wise, I look for the Chargers to kind of put a wing there and kind of make make Miles run that long hoop. Um, but yeah, I, I I see them 
rarely leaving him on an island by himself. It's just too much to ask for a rookie. Okay, switching over to that defensive side of the ball, and there's even with Joey Bosa out, there's a couple of guys on that side of the ball that are still problems. The one I'll I'll bring up is Derwin James. Uh, the safety just seems to do everything well. What what can you tell us about Derwin? Well, when I watch him on film, he is kind of like the Browns version of JLK in terms of he's the perfect modern defender. He can blitz, he can play coverage, he can uh, cover multiple receivers, he can play in space. Um, he can do a lot of different things, uh, and he you got to find him. And he kind of uh, he freelances a little bit. Uh, he takes chances uh, in coverage. Uh, they they bring him from everywhere. He's uh, for me. He kind of reminds me like when I look at him, he's kind of the perfect. Uh, he's not quite a DB type body. He's not quite a linebacker body. He's that like D- JOK who's just super athletic. Uh, he's able to get in passing lanes. Uh, he comes off the edge very well. Uh, he's very, very good in coverage. He's very physical. Um, and when they need to play, he makes it. And I've watched a couple games now, and he's he's pretty active in, in all aspect, aspects of the, uh, the defense side of the ball. Well, another guy on that side of the ball that we have to talk about is, of course, Khalil Mack. And, uh, you know, his presence looms even larger with the absence of Joey Bosa. Uh, but, you know, that way the Browns could also commit a little bit more attention to him. So uh, what are you seeing there with the matchup between Khalil Mack and probably at least Jed Wills for much of the game? Well, the thing that the reason they have Bosa and Mack when you watch it on film is that they run that odd front. So they like to have they like to have a five man surface. And when you have a five man surface, that creates a lot of one-on-one blocks, obviously, with five offensive linemen. So not having um, Bosa on their other side allows you to slide protection. It allows you to slide protection to Mac. Uh, allows you to chip a little bit easier because you're not as worried on the back side with Bosa on the other side. So, he, you know, he had one sack. He had a couple pressures uh, last week. He Obviously, you got to account for him. But in that odd front they like to run, it's not at, not having Bosa hurts them um, because now you now you can't you can slide to him without helping the backside. So I look for the Browns to have a pretty good plan for him. I look for them to chip on him a little bit. Um, but I also think the Browns tackles, watching him on a film, I think the Browns tackles can hang in there pretty good with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who are we missing on this defense? There's obviously those two, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, J.C. Jackson, Kyle Van Noy, uh, they brought in Sebastian Joseph Day to kind of try and shore up that that run defense. Who else stood out to you aside from those, those two guys? Well, I like Drew Tranquil on film. He's kind of a, he kind of runs the show back there. Uh, you can tell he's the uh, guy who makes a lot of tackles. He's a guy who's communicating out there. Kyle Van Noy is another guy who likes to uh, freelance a little bit. He comes, uh, he'll blitz a gap. He'll come off the edge. Uh, they're pretty basic. Like I said, defensively, they blitz some, uh, they go to a little four man front. Um, but Van Noy is another guy, uh, another kind of cleaner body uh, where he can play inside. He can play outside. Uh, I really like Joseph day inside Brown's got to block him. He's a pretty active guy. Again, when they go, uh, when the Browns were running the ball, I look for um, the Chargers maybe put a little double eagle front where they're going to cover the center and both guards, uh, which is kind of a, a good way to stop that run game as well. Um, but the Texans ran the ball well, so they're going to have to do some. They're going to have to do some things, different things. That rookie from Florida, he had a big game against them, so I'm I'm interested to see what they do defensively. They're going to have to crowd that line of scrimmage for sure. You know, just curious, Lance, about you know, just in general your feeling about this game, the Browns are coming off of a demoralizing loss. They have to pick themselves back up. I didn't think Jacoby Brissett played particularly well. Amari Cooper was not involved in that game plan. Obviously they ran very well. 
but what is kind of your gut feeling on on how the Browns are going to respond to this game, and can they pull it off? I think they respond respond well. You know, there's there's something to be said about everybody telling you how bad you are, and and I've been in those shoes where everybody tells you how bad you are, and it, and it helps practice. And I think the Browns have to practice better. I you know in terms of having their guys back. Um, they're going to have to play a better defensively. They're going to have to not have mistakes in the secondary. Uh, but some of the matchups, uh, the run game is not a run game that um, it has been very productive. And that, for me, is what has hurt the Browns uh, when when the chips are down. Teams can run it right at them. We saw that last week with that big drive. Uh, I like the matchups. I like the matchups. It's a, there's a lot of matchups. And the, the run game for the Browns um, is a problem for the, the Chargers. And if they can run the ball, shorten the game, um, and then get pressure. Um, that offensive line is pretty beat up for the Chargers, and I think the Browns can get pressure. Now, uh, I think they need to keep everything in front. The more they can keep it in front and make the Chargers go a long way, um, that's going to length, that's going to shorten the game, and that's going to put pressure on them to score points every time they have it. Uh, obviously, I think it's a touch, tough matchup, but I think some of the matchups are in in the favor of the Browns. Browns can, can pass rush; those defensive tackles can pass rush. Uh, if uh, you know, if we get our DNs back, if the Browns get their DNs back, they should be good. Uh, they should be able to cover. We, you know, everybody felt the secondary was going to be a strength, and I think they are. Uh, I look for them being some more man coverage, which they seem to be really good in. Uh, but if I think the matchup, I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup. I don't think it's a, a game where the Browns are completely outclassed. I think Herbert uh, is the difference. And, you know, those elite quarterbacks make it a difference for a lot of different teams. But um, I think the Browns can create pretty good pass rush uh, this week, especially against that rookie tackle. Yeah, this is going to be one of those interesting games where, you know, you might get big plays both ways, but with the Chargers, it'll be through the air and the Browns will do it the way they always do it. Just Nick Chubb mm-hmm. breaking off those big runs. You know, Lance, we always ask when we have a writer on to talk about a team, we ask him to make a pick. I've never mm-hmm. asked you to make a pick before, <laughs> but I think I'm going to put you on the spot. You don't have to give us a score if you don't want to throw a score out there because it didn't prepare you for this at all. But uh, do, do you want to make a pick? Sure, I'll make a pick. I, I I, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I like the Browns. I like the Browns in a high-scoring game, something like 34-31. Um, I think they win it late. I think they beat the clock at the end of the game. I think the Chargers, in, in, a, in an attempt to get, like, a lot of people out in routes, uh, they're going to leave those – they're going to leave that offensive line uh, in some one-on-one protections that I think is going to hurt them. So, I do. I like the Browns. I like the Browns close. Um, uh, I, I think they – you know, if you ask me – the reason why is because of the offensive scheme of the Chargers, as explosive as it is, uh, it's not a ma- it's not a super uh, matchup issue for the Browns, in my opinion. I think the Browns can handle this type of offense they're going to see. All right. It's funny that you should say that, Lance, because I'm starting to <laughs> feel like the the Browns are going to win this game too. But then I keep coming back to, you know, Justin Herbert versus mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett. I know they're not playing each other, but I keep coming back to that and I'm I'm having a hard time. We have to actually, you know, we're making picks on this pod and it's challenging because um because of that. You know what I mean? It's just Yeah, and, and it's funny. I like I said, if you ask me uh when when you think about a pick, I always think about the matchups and I really as an offensive coordinator, which I was for a long time, I always thought about the offense and defensive line it was always the starting point. And I think the Browns' offensive line and is better than the defensive line of the Chargers. And I think for what the Chargers do, run game-wise and pass protection-wise, especially being young, I don't think that's a matchup that's good for the Chargers. And for me, it always starts up front. Now, Herbert could be a difference, and that wouldn't surprise me, but 
Uh, I think the Browns control the ball. I think they shorten the game, and I think they win. Uh, you know, I think Chargers make some explosive plays, but I think they win a high-scoring one. So 34-31, that would be pretty close. Obviously, last year went into the 40s, but just another shootout between between uh, the, these two teams if we end up at that score. All right, that's Lance Reisland. Uh, you can read his stuff at cleveland.com slash Browns. He actually just put up a post on Jacob Phillips uh, on Thursday. So go find that and read that really informative on how Jacob played. And I know uh, you'll have some stuff coming up on the chargers over the weekend. Mary Kay mentioned it. We're going to make our picks a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, Ashley's going to rejoin us. Doug Maurice and Irie Harris are going to join us as well after the break. Thanks Lance. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Lance Riceland for joining us to talk chargers. We are now back bringing Ashley back into the fold, welcoming on Irie Harris, Doug Maurice. It is that time again for prop bets. And then we're going to make our picks for this football game on Sunday. Let's get to it. Going first with their prop bet this week, Mary Kay. What do you have? Ooh, ooh. okay. So I'm going to do a topic that um, has been very much in the news lately, and that is uh, the Browns giving up these big chunk plays. Even though last week it wasn't a blown coverage per se, they still gave up a 42-yard pass. So the prop bets this week have um, Justin Herbert with an over-under at 37.5. Now, so far this season... For long, I I know this because I, I wrote this one down. Longest completion. 54. No, no, no. I mean, 37 and a half longest completion, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Longest completion. Um, So his longest completion so far this season is 54. He's got a 50, a 54, a 45, a 42. So he can get the ball deep and he's got the horses uh, to catch it for him, especially if Keenan Allen's back. So over and under, longest completion. 37.5. Like I said, I wrote this one down as an option for myself. My dog has started going crazy upon <laughs> hearing us talk about this. So obviously he's take he's, the over. Yeah, he's on this one. <laughs> and this is one of those, this is one of those ones where it's like, am I missing something? Am I just not seeing something here? Like this is like the Nick Chubb over under every week. What am I not getting with this? He's had one of these every single game, at least once. And we all remember last year what happened. I mean, that was really when the blown coverages started last year. Mm -hmm. It was with Mike Williams and Justin Herbert. I think as far as prop bets go, this one's an easy one. Over. He's going to throw at least one pass that's over 37 and a half yards. Yeah, I... I agree with this. I mean, last year he hit a 72-yard pass playing the Browns, so that was his longest uh, completion. So it it just seems ripe for the taking there, given his processing, given how he sees the field, given the issues we've seen in the Browns secondary, whether it's communication issues or against the Falcons. Um, uh, Technique error, I believe, was the term that kept getting thrown around this week. So it just seems like at least one of these is going to happen. It's just bound to. I read Doug. You guys agree? Disagree? I was checking the weather forecast. It looks like it's <laughs> going to be good. So as long as it's not, you know, blowing sideways or anything, uh, I'd take the over on this as well. Mm-hmm. Doug, you're such a sharp checking the weather. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it feels like last year, like we would have discussions sometimes and it'd be like, oh, wait, it's going to rain nine inches and be 65 mile per hour winds. Forget everything we said. Right. Irie, are you, are you going the other direction on this or do you like this one? I I, I also have checked the weather and I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be the, the different one out of the pack. I'm, I'm going to go with the under on this one. You, uh, do you think yeah. he won't have a pass over 37 and a half yards? I think I think he's, I think he'll definitely have quite a bit of throws going that far. Uh, but regarding a completion, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the under on this one. Re- regarding one being completed that far down, uh, that in a sense of and that's just kind of how it goes when it comes to the betting. You know, it's a sense of feel or maybe this, maybe that. When it comes to this type of bet, I'm thinking momentum is definitely a bounce bounce. We see how they come off of Sunday. I'm thinking it should just probably go the other way for this upcoming Sunday. And we see the effect of how it is once they're playing at home. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the under on that. I rest my case on that. You're allowed to just say that you think we're all dumb and you're just fading us. No, 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 no. no. Uh, he can't say no. it's dumb. I, I can't. He can't, I can't. He can just I say, can't. I just disagree. Yeah. He didn't actually have a rationale for why he went under on <laughs> That's that. That's true. Other than we're like, all right yeah, on what this. We're, we're all right <laughs> on guy. Like the every data point is telling us that Justin sure. Herbert is going to have like a fifty-five yard completion on Sunday. I, I mean, if I, anything, I, I, I would I would say if anything, like the counter argument for a bet like this isn't doesn't even have anything necessarily to do with like how Justin Herbert is playing or how the Browns are playing. It's just like kind of one of those weird things. It's al- almost reminds me of like how we talk about an anytime touchdown score bet. Like it might always be slightly risky to bank on like one of these, you know, one-time things happening and a lot can happen in the flow of the game. But I still think just it's, it's Justin Herbert. Like it's more likely to yeah. happen than not at the end it, of the day. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And, and I know, and I'll just say that I know Herbert, I know that we know that the game plan, I mean, automatically is going to come regarding, Making them pass, and the only way they win is with them pass. I know Eckler, their starting running back after four games, is only ha- he's he's below 150 until our rushing yards. So best believe that they're gonna pass it. Mike Williams is top 25 in receiving yards. Gonna make sh- in total receiving yards. They're gonna make sure I pass it, but it's just kind of I guess just that rational thing <laughs> right now. Like you say, I know we talked about their breakdown and miscommunication last Sunday, you know, versus the Falcons, but I mean. Even Mariota, as many yards as he had, his farthest completed throw was, you know, 31 yards. Some, something, and why not keep it going a second time? He completed seven passes the whole game. I, I, I'm not well, judging Justin Herbert. He threw it 19 times. Uh, one of them was it, a 40. One of them was over 37 yards. Yeah, 42. And, and I do. It's the blown completed. coverages that factors into this. It's the blown coverages that factor in. Like all the other things, Michael Williams is good, and you might catch. You know, they could get this with an Austin Eckler screen. But I think the blown coverages that allow like a gigantic thing to happen, I think we're all still on the lookout for that, right? Which is which is just different than, hey, can you beat your guy and connect? It's like, oh, they might get a freebie because someone's standing by themselves 40 yards down the field. Two things. One, yes, my bet. I misread that, not 31, 42. Also, I like the chaos I just created on this. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's I fake just, money. If, if it was real money, you wouldn't like the chaos. I mean, if it's fake money, sure. We we had to use this as one of our prop bets, but I definitely think I'm definitely taking the over here uh, because somehow, some way, I think they're going to come up with uh, a big pass play, and it might be some yards after catch, but uh, but somehow they will eclipse one at least one thirty-seven point yard five yard pass. 
that this was this was the one that I had first on my list. Um, that that caught my eye first. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna. If nobody else grabs this one, I'm gonna take this one. All right, our number two here, going second, is Ashley. <laughs> Sorry, had to unmute really quick. Um, so yeah, I was looking at some Nick Chubb related bets because I have been watching the Chargers film this past week. And currently, right now, for longest rush for Nick Chubb, the over-under is set at 18 and a half, which if you have been paying attention to the Chargers at all the past couple of weeks, last week they gave up a 75-yard rushing touchdown to that rookie back out of Houston. And the week before that, against Jacksonville, they gave up a 50-yard rushing touchdown. So not only have they been prone to giving up explosive runs, their run defense is in middle of the pack in the league rankings in terms of yardage that they're giving up each game. But uh, Nick Chubb, I think, is going to take advantage of that. Obviously, he had a 20-plus-yard touchdown run this past weekend. I just think it's going to take one run and he he's going to be gone. And they've, you know, until they can stop these big plays like that, I'm going to side with uh, Nick Chubb on this one. And that's at minus 115 right now in DraftKings. So the way we're deciding our order here is I put everything in a lottery machine and I'm hitting the button and it tells us who goes next. I'm getting a little bit stressed out because all of mine are getting taken away again. Oh, no, this Sorry, is another man. one that I had written down. Nick Chubb longest rush over 18 and a half. Again, I don't know what I'm missing here. I'm not sure like Nick Chubb breaks off 20 yard runs like. It's his job. I guess it is his job. I don't know. <laughs> this just. No, it is his job. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't get two yard runs. Exactly he he gets like zero, one, two, 21. An 18 yard run for Nick Chubb isn't even long. That, that 28 kind of yard. Normal. That 28 yard touchdown run against Atlanta was a, just a thing of beauty. Like it, it was unbelievable. I, that, I'd be shocked if, if this doesn't hit on the over. This is like one cutback lane and one broken tackle. This is not even this is not even spectacular. This is not no. a tremendous failure on behalf on behalf of uh, a, a weak Chargers run defense. This is just actually like kind of like how it works. Yeah, this is it's just, this Nick is just Chubb. it's just yeah. a Nick Chubb run. So I like this, too. Yeah, it just I, I was the reason it took me a second to unmute because I'm like, surely I must be looking at the wrong prop bet here. Like this cannot be it. Um, kind of like Dan said, it's like, what are we, what are we missing here in terms of this? Again, it's like a single play type thing. So I don't know if that's a little riskier for you, but I don't know. I just think like that this is like the long Herbert pass is just kind of destined to happen given what this Chargers defense has looked like so far this year. Yeah. I, I'm I'm taking the over on this as well. Um I I just think that the um the Browns offensive line is going to match up pretty well against their defensive line. And uh and I think the uh the opportunity is definitely there for Nick to rip off one of his runs. I think they'll use uh Kareem Hunt strategically. They'll keep Nick fresh. If he doesn't have it in the first couple of quarters, he'll get it late, like he always does. So um so absolutely 100% I'm taking the over on, on this one. I read DraftKings is trying, trying to give you free money. They tried on the last one and you were like, no, 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 no. I don't need it. I'm good. They're trying again. 
I should have never. All, all right, I'm taking the over. All right, there we, go. we are all, all in agreement. Let's let's go. Uh, <laughs> I, I I definitely think. I mean this. I mean Nick Chubb. I think is back down a second. We're going to the rushing yards. Um, on his running back. So I definitely would like to see him go back up to number one. So I am in agreement with him going for the over. Is everybody happy? Very, very much so. All right. Uh, well, Irie, you get to go next. Great. Let's get happier. All right. So receiving yards, I'm going back there because that's just kind of where I guess I've done good at right now. So why not let You're it not ride? riding the chub? You're not riding the chub over rushing yards train? Let's let's keep that one I, quiet. Let's keep that one oh, quiet sorry. a little bit. Don't mean to give you we got, two, right. two, we got two two to go here after this. Dan's taking over as the engineer <laughs> on that one. Sorry. It's okay. I'm uh I'm gonna so right now via DraftKings, they have Amari Cooper is receiving here at the over under is at 49 and a half. I have kind of gone back and forth with this, especially after last week. But I'm gonna go with the over on this one. I think this is just also another sense of him watching a film. He's such a, a technician regard, you know, with, when it comes to his footwork. And I just see him being able to get involved. I mean, we've seen in the past time, especially within those two back-to-back games where he would break the, you know, whatever number it was that DraftKings have within one series. And I just see that happening once again, coming up on, on Sunday and him just being able to get involved offensively. And they saw what happened on Sunday Four target, only one, only one reception. They're making sure they're going to wipe that off by the time Sunday is over and that he's good. So I'm going to go with the over on this. And it was, it was 49 and a half. You said, right? Okay. 49 and a half. I'm really bad at wide receiver over under yardage. I always get them wrong. So I'm going to let you guys talk me one way or the other here. Well, I think they arrived at 49 and a half because they'll either have a hundred or zero. So they went in between. Like, I don't know that it's you, Dan. I think it's the Browns offense right now. And the idea that he got shut down last week, you would expect to bounce back from that. But this is the strength of the Chargers defense, right? Is they have a good secondary. And so I'd be very curious, like Mary Kay, do you think they're going to, they're going to focus on shutting down Amari Cooper and try to see what, what happens after that? Was that a game plan that the Falcons put out there? Because, I understand why none of us would have a handle on this right now, but I think the Chargers have the guys to match up with Cooper if they want to go about it that way. Yeah, and I think uh, the thing about it is, you know, if you had several other guys that, you know, that you could give that extra attention to, roll the safety to, and those kinds of things, uh, then, you know, then you would think, okay, Amari's going to get his 100 yards somehow, some way. Um, but the fact that they have such young guys and they don't really have anybody else that really necessarily strikes fear into the heart of a defense, I'm going to say that they're going to make it their goal to shut down and take Amari Cooper out of the game and not let him get this 49 yards. He might have some catches, but I don't know that he's going to have get top the 49 yards. Again, it could go either way. He could go gangbusters. He really could. But uh, I'm going to say just probably slightly under this man i can i could genuinely go either way on this basically i'm like you dan i'm terrible at picking these <laughs> receiving prop bets so maybe just don't listen to me i don't for as good as the Chargers secondary is i don't know why i'm just feeling like an amari cooper game this week look i think this is going to kind of be the you know amari cooper experience i called it on our video after practice today um on thursday and i think we're gonna have these games where yeah he gets 100 receiving yards for two straight games and then kind of disappears and then comes back the next game and it's fine like 
I just think it's kind of the unpredictability here a little bit. Um, but now I'm talking myself out of it, honestly, because I'm like, I think it's going to be better opportunities in the run game. So I'm changing my mind and I'm going to say under, even though I feel like anything could happen. Just don't listen to me is the moral of this podcast. <laughs> Do not listen to me on these receiving prop bets because I will probably be reading something wrong. But it's not us. It's not us. It's, it's not. not us. It's, no. it's, it's the unpredictability it's... of what's on the field. No, it's the, I mean, it's the Browns passing. Yes. It's, it's, we do not have a handle on this yet. We don't know exactly how Stefanski wants to go about it. We don't know exactly how far they want to push it with Brissett. We don't know how the other secondary options respond if you try to take Cooper away. We don't know how a team is trying to game plan for them. What if they sell out to stop the run and say, Jacoby Brissett, throw for 350? <laughs> we dare you. And all of a sudden, Amari Cooper goes nuts, but they shut down Nick Chubb. I don't know that we know this yet. And so this is, it's hard, I think, with the offensive prop bets. I would stay away from a receiver thing like this just because I'm with everybody else. Could you see nine catches for 116? Yeah. Could you see three catches on seven targets for 29? Yeah. I, I like, I don't, I don't, and I don't know how you decide it. I don't know what is the firm thing that you would grasp onto other than gut. Well, gut, you lose your money on your gut. So, <laughs> You know, the idea of this, I, I am fascinated to see how a how a good secondary decides to go about this. Joey Bose is out, but Khalil Mack's still there. I think they'll get some pressure on Jacoby Brissett. But then what if if he's under pressure all day? What if that means he just throws to Amari Cooper 16 times? And the result is he has 11 catches for 71 yards and he hits the over. It's not explosive. It's not particularly efficient, but he hits the over. I don't know. Nobody knows. Who, who could know? Who could say, oh. I know exactly how this, I don't. So pass, put your money back in your pocket on this. I don't (laughs) even know. Thank you for eloquently explaining my confusion. It's not us. Don't blame us. Don't blame us. Yes, that's my new new tagline. Don't blame me. Blame (laughs) the Browns. That's my new tagline. I've put some thought into it. I'm going to take the over. And I'm going to do it because of something Lance Riceland said when we talked. I get that little edge here because Mary Kay and I talked to Lance. And I do envision the Browns hitting like a one big like play action pass, something like that, like they did against the Steelers. Now, that was 32 yards or something like that. So if they can hit something like a 30 yarder play action, then you only need like two more catches to get there. Uh, and, and Lance was saying that Derwin James can freelance a little bit, can maybe be a little over aggressive at times, sort of like Minka Fitzpatrick got caught on that play action pass on in that Thursday night game. So maybe the Browns hit one of those. So I think I'm going to take the over. I don't think I know I'm going to take the over here. Ira, you were going to say something there. No, I was going to mention I, 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 for that, that very split split second i felt like regina george watching everybody go crazy and when once once doug was just so given that speech obviously which i enjoyed i really appreciate that actually if they could endure me saying the under after all four, four of you said that justin ray was throw long they can listen to you when it comes to receiving your bets they can they, they, they can listen to you <laughs> uh this, this is this is a tricky one because um you know like you guys said if if jacoby hits one good play action shot, then, you know, you have almost all of those yards right there. But, you you, you know, that, that's the tough part. We just don't know. Now, the, the thing to think about, 
as you move forward here on this particular one is the fact that Jacoby, when I asked him about this yesterday, said it's critical. It is critical to get the ball to Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper agreed with that today. So I do think it's going to be a point of emphasis. They don't want their star receiver catching one pass for nine yards. I think they're going to try to get him, uh, you know, rolling early and often. I think they're at least going to make the attempt. So we'll see if it works. That I think is the best reason for the over because it's the opposite of last week. They're making right they're They're leaning on it. Cause again, it's only 49 and a half. I still wonder, and I know they hit it to Cooper. If you said they're going to hit a play action, deep shot, who's it yeah. going to go to is would Cooper be your first choice or is not that where DPJ comes in? Right. That I think they could do that, that but maybe it's not to Amari. Right. So, um, but right. I think their focus on it in response to last week saying we can't live that way. Right. That I think is the strongest case in any of this discussion, which I guess if I had to pick, I would go over then too. Although I, I will say one thing that I think Kevin Stefanski has not done well is make that effort to get guys involved early. I think there's been time. I mean, I feel like we had this discussion with Odell a lot and like yes. Jarvis and like for all that was wrong with Freddie kitchens. I do think one of the things he understood was I got to just get Jarvis a touch in like the first quarter. And then I've got him engaged for four quarters. And I, I think Kevin Stefanski has struggled with that at times. Like just, this might not be a great play. This play might not be exactly what I want to call, but you know what? Here you go, Amari. Here's a bubble screen. See what you can do. You touch the football. All right, let's go. I, I feel like that hasn't necessarily been a strength of Kevin during his time as a play caller here. Um, okay, let's move on here. I got to pull up my lottery. It's going to be one of two, and it's Doug. Oh, boy. I'm going to be stuck. I'm going to be stuck with something I don't believe in here. I'm not taking the Chubb thing from you, Dan, but I did research on behalf of that bet. So if you do Good. take that, I, I have some numbers for you. I'm going to take a double dip here, and it is Jacoby Brissett as an anytime touchdown scorer, which, again, when you're a quarterback, it's not thrown. It's only it's rushing it. you got to score it yourself at 5-1, to one, and Jacoby Brissett as the first touchdown of the game at 30-1. to one. I'd sprinkle on the 30 to one. I'd maybe hit the anytime touchdown score a little bit harder. He scored his first rushing touch. And again, it's only rushing touchdowns we're talking about. He had the scramble last week. If they get to the two, four sneaks, right? Let's talk about responding to what went wrong last week. I'm anticipating they do do, right? If they get in the red zone and they start marching down, I think they'll do the thing, Dan, that you have been sort of pounding the table about. Jacoby Brissett is an automatic yard on a sneak. What are you doing? So I like the response to that. I could see the Browns marching down the field the first time they get the ball and ending it with the Jacoby Brissett sneak for a touchdown. And if that gives them a seven, nothing lead, you've got a 30 to one that you hit. But I think anytime touchdown, he's like anytime touchdown scorer. He's like the same odds as like the defense to score a touchdown. And I think I think he's going to be an inside the five weapon for them because um, they didn't do it last week. Plus, he had the scramble last week that, hey, maybe it's one of those two. So I like both of these for a little action. So if you're asking me in that sense, like, eh, I got a little extra to put on this. Why not? Let's take a chance. I would do it. If you're asking me if I believe it will hit. I would say no. If they're at the one yard line, what's their play? Dan, what's their play on first and goal from the one? It should be a sneak, but 
again, sometimes you think what it's it, still not. Sometimes what it should be and what it is. I I think it's just as realistic that they go to that jumbo package and hand to Nick Chubb. So I that's well, I was counting on you for this one, Dan. So I'm in yeah, trouble here. I, but like, why? Like we then now? I mean, like we're bringing up like, well, there's a couple things where it's been like, well, this is what Kevin Stefanski should do. It's what everybody <laughs> else would do. We just don't know if he's going to do it. So now we're having like a Kevin Stefanski's discussion here. So, um, but again, this is not a primary thing. I don't know. Mary Kay, if they're fourth, first and goal at the one, what's their play? Is it a sneak? No? No. <laughs> <laughs> but Not, but should it but should it be a sneak? Uh I don't know. No, not not when I don't know. I have a hard time with that when you've got first and goal at the one and you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm still going with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's I think it's different on the goal line it's different on the goal line it's not um it's not the kind of territory that you want jacoby Brissett to have to you know leap high up into the air and try to smash himself over a over a, a gaggle of defenders if you had to so i'm i'm gonna say i'm gonna say no i would not i wouldn't want to do that there doug it's oh for two now ashley I just keep thinking they just love that jumbo package so much. Like they just, Yelda. they love it. They love bringing Yelda Froholt in, in that situation. Um, until I see otherwise, I got to think it's going to be a decision made. Like that's maybe too complicated or more complicated than it needs to be. I, I get what Mary Kay is saying, like in that situation, like, do you really want to risk your quarterback um, getting hurt on that kind of play or something like that? But until I see them do it, I'm like kind of hesitant to think it's actually going to happen. But I'm kind of like with Dan, like, I don't know if you have something a little extra you want to put on it. Like, sure. Why? Why not? It in theory could happen. Am I confident it will happen? I don't know. But I don't know that you're going to mix, get the mix of like Doug saying like odds and return on a bet that you will somewhere else. And maybe it won't won't hurt you if you end up losing this one. What's uh? What are the odds for Yelda Froholt first time? I swear to God, I was just looking that up. Yoho Froholt. <laughs> Yelda. Not on. What's his name? Yoho Yelda. Froholt. Yelda. Yelda. Yelda Froholt. Yelda Froholt. Neither Yoho nor Yelda Froholt is on the anytime <laughs> touchdown scorer list, so you can't put any money on that. Irie, is it is it going to be an offer for Doug? Is he on his own on this? Is he taking a victory lap in the post game? I'm gonna. Uh... I'm going to stand by Doug with this one. I'm going to agree. I know, I know we were talking about Jacoby Brissett, especially at the one-yard line. I am going to agree that somehow, some way, Kevin Stefanski will make J- Jacoby Brissett look like Bart Starr and within the QB sneak. I am for it. Why not? So I, I stand with you, Doug. And you also might get the scramble, too. It doesn't have to be a sneak. You might get the scramble like you got last week. Okay. But <laughs> – that was an, an just an incredible scramble too. That was that was one of my favorite quarterback scrambles that I've ever seen. And I've watched tons of Lamar Jackson and tons of Josh Allen. And still, it was Jacoby Brissett's scramble that was just. I mean, it was it was poetry. A very long, slow poem, but it was poetry. <laughs> By the way, uh, sixty-four career games for Jacoby Brissett, fourteen touchdowns. All right. Well, Doug, you you painted me into a corner on this one. There was another one that I liked too, but um, I almost can't 
say it because I said that I, I think Amari Cooper could catch a, a long play action pass. I, I was looking at the Jacoby longest completion, 33 and a half yard under. Um, he's only gone over that number once this season. He's only thrown one pass, uh, completed one pass that went for more than 32 yards. So I was thinking about that, but let's talk more about Nick Chubb because that's fun. 88 and a half rushing yards is the number here. He's been under that number once. It was against the Jets. He actually should have been a little more under that number um, than he was in that game. And maybe the Browns would have won. Chargers. So Dan, eight- wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you really quickly. I believe it was updated now if you refresh your page to 92 and a half yards. I'm still, I don't chip. care. They okay. can make it 190. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you had all the facts. That's fine. I'll I'll take okay. the 92 and a half. That's fair. That's they could fair. make it 192 and a half. <laughs> Is that what you just said? Yes. <laughs> Chargers are 18th in rush DVOA. They are next to last in yards per carry allowed. They tried to fix this run defense in the offseason. They added Sebastian Joseph Day. But still, you can run on this defense. And the Browns need to run on this defense. That's what they have to do this week. They they actually could benefit from doing an Atlanta Falcons-style 10 carries on 10-play drive, or like they did against the Steelers, 10 carries on 11 plays. I think they need to attack this defense with Nick Chubb. I think they will attack this defense with Nick Chubb. That's where they're going to get their big plays from, like we talked about earlier. I think over now 92 and a half, still... I have yet to see a number in any week where it's like, there's no way you can hit that. He's he's having so far the best year of his career, and I think it continues pretty easily against this Chargers defense. 4-0 on overs this year for Nick Chubb rushing yards. First week, 74 and a half, hit 141. Second week, 81 <laughs> and a half, hit 87. Third week, 77 and a half, hit 113. Last week, 90 and a half hit 118. And we were talking last week when I retook it, like, hey, how hot does it have to go when you wouldn't take it? If you've if you've been riding Nick Chubb, you've won all four weeks. 92 and a half doesn't seem like a big ask. I'd take the over as well. I mean, it's, Ira, you mentioned it. He's second in rushing yards now to Saquon Barkley. Saquon's got 463. Chubb has 459. Nobody else is over 400. That's That's the type of year those two guys are having. Nobody is nobody, and um, that's why. And wait, are are we? I know that you've given it. Are are we saying that we we're agreeing or not over under? Yeah, over under ninety two okay. and a half. All right, no, because I was gonna, you know, piggyback off of that within saying that yes, I agree with the over because when talking about betting, uh, there's something called trends. And though the though the Chargers are coming in with the same record as the Browns, there's been a little bit of a trend. The first two games, I believe it was. Uh, versus the Raiders and Chiefs, they keep the, you know, they kept their total rushing under 100. But then the last two games has gone up. Well, they, versus the Jaguars when they got killed, they allowed 151 rushers. They they allowed James Robinson, I believe, at 100 exactly. And then even last week, even though they beat the Texans, the only uh, running back rushing for uh, the Texans was Damian Pierce, who alone had 131. So I see no other reason why to keep that trend going, especially for Nick Chubb. Who else? I mean, aside from Jonathan Taylor, aside from them, who uh, maybe something else, but but Nick, yeah, I I agree with the over. I'm going to take the over on this. He might have this on on one touchdown run. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he has he, a 92 uh, yarder in his career. Yeah. So um, he's at home. 
he's playing with a vengeance this year. I mean, I think you're right. I think I've seen uh, him run even harder at this point in the year that I have than I have seen him in, in other years. There's something about him this year where he is determined to strap this team on his back and just and just roll. And if he gets that ball in his hands, especially at home, you know, coming off a demoralizing loss like that, I think he's just going to be lights out. I think Wyatt Teller is all kinds of fired up this week, right? I mean, he's been fired up about getting targeted for holding calls and whatnot. So uh, I think you've got a offensive line that's going to be extremely motivated this game. And same thing with the running backs. So I'm taking the over. Okay. So we're all over on Nick Chubb because yeah, I don't know wait, what I didn't get to talk oh. about, but, but yes, sorry. Um, given my prop bet, I would also take the over on this. I mean, again, that, that rushing defense, like you said, Dan, with some of the uh, advanced stats and the yards per carry, like it's just not very good right now. So I feel like a guy like Nick Chubb is going to, for as much as we talk about Justin Herbert, being able to take advantage of breakdowns and opposing secondaries, like Nick Chubb is going to be able to take advantage of the breakdowns in that rush defense when he sees it. And given how the line's been playing, it's like, yeah, why not? If you're going to, you like Barry Kay said, that might be his longest run. You might win my bet and Dan's prop bet <laughs> on the same play for all we know. Yeah. See, look at that. We're just here winning you, winning you guys money. Um, but don't get mad at us if we lose you money. That's 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 your choice. Yeah, that's not how it works, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> only give us credit, but don't get mad. That's what that's what we like. Speaking of only giving us credit, let's make a bunch of right picks here after the break. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the time has come to make picks. So this line keeps moving. Um, earlier in the week, it was, I believe, somewhere around three and a half. It was two and a half earlier when I emailed you guys. And it's actually sitting at two now. So it seems like a lot of people liked the Browns as the underdog. Uh, the Browns are two point underdogs as of right now. So let's go ahead and use that. Even though in, in my email, I said we would stick with the two and a half. I lied. We're going to use the two. Uh, so Chargers minus two will go in our draft lottery order here. So Mary Kay. What do you have in this game? I'll tell you, I am struggling. I mean, the more I've uh, studied up on this game, the more I am starting to like some of the matchups uh, that I, I believe will work out in the Browns' favor, including Miles Garrett against their rookie left tackle. I think that could significantly impact the game, and they're going to have to really game plan for that if if Miles is not going to take over that matchup. Um so there are a lot of things that I like the, about the Browns in this game. Um, but I keep coming back to one thing, and that is Justin Herbert over there and Jaco Jacoby Brissett over here. And the hard part about this is that we don't know which Jacoby Brissett will show up on Sunday. Is it going to be the really efficient one of the previous two games or the kind of off-the-mark one in game one? And game four. So we don't know. We don't have, uh, you know, a whole lot of body of work to know uh, which guy they're going to get. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to go with um, the superior quarterback. And I'm taking the Browns to win 32 to 27. Chargers. I'm sorry. Chargers to win. The Chargers. Sorry about that. The Chargers to win 
32 to 27. That would have been the boldest thing ever said <laughs> in the history of I'm taking the Doug superior jumped. quarterback Browns to win. <laughs> Doug did a double take and leaned towards his computer in disbelief. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure you were all listening. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, Mary Kay is still sitting in the Browns media room, which is about 10 degrees. Yes. And she's been there all day. I actually wondered if Mary Kay maybe had a second living room that just had (laughs) nine orange chairs in it for no reason. But it is the Browns facility. Okay. This matches the uh, Browns bus that I always have parked outside of my house. So it just all goes together. All right, Ashley, what have you got? Man, I'm like Mary Kay. I kept going back and forth on this, and I finally have reached a conclusion, and I already feel like I'm going to regret it. Um, I am going to pick the Browns, and it's mainly because what have we been saying all week, Dan? The Chargers are basically the Browns of the West. Like, they're two and two. That loss to the Jaguars makes no sense. Yes, Justin Herbert has been hurt, but he looks better now. He's obviously the better quarterback. And that's kind of why I'm thinking like, I'm probably going to regret this. Like he's probably going to carve apart this secondary and it's going to be a mess. But I just keep thinking like they have kind of not met expectations fully this year. Um, Keenan Allen still didn't practice today. So there's a chance he might not be back, which makes things slightly easier for you. Um, Like Mary Kay said, Miles Garrett, going against a rookie tackle that's a pretty great matchup for him I think and I just think Nick Chubb is really going to be able to take advantage of the Chargers weak spots again like as much as we talk about Justin Herbert being able to read these secondary breakdowns Nick Chubb I think is going to take advantage of this Chargers defense because that's clearly their weak point so I'm going to pick the Browns 32-28 in this one okay uh I read all right, so I uh, also doing a little cons- considering going back and forth. Also, I think I, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go with the Browns on this one. I believe that the uh, regarding the defense, we saw how it was without Garrett or Clowney visibly this last week. I believe that there will be a new energy arising amongst the defense with Garrett back. And on top of that, we have Denzel Ward who was gonna show the early on in the season and really redeem themselves. I think those would be great voices that will come out and lead the tone on Sunday. And I just, and I believe that uh, Nick Chubb or Mr. Fourth Quarter, as, as, I, as I like to call him, would just come out and set the tone offensively along with Cooper and, you know, whoever else uh, will be able to help, you know, ride the Browns into a W and the score I'm going to give is not as high. I'm not going to go as high as that, but I'm going to keep it in the middle a bit. So I'm going to keep it at 27 to 23. Doug? Is this a game? Make, Baker Mayfield's played terrible so far this year, but this was the game last year. Baker Mayfield got in a shootout with Justin Herbert. These teams scored 41 points in the fourth quarter last year. This team got into the fourth quarter and traded touchdown for touchdown for touchdown for touchdown. And if that happens... Sunday, I don't think Jacoby Brissett and this version of the offense can do that. So that is what makes me nervous about that game. And I think if we lined up, name five players in the league that five offensive players in the league that the Browns hate facing and would not want to see Dan, how high on that list would Mike Williams be? Eight for 165 and two touchdowns. 
I still am stuck on the 31 nothing Clemson win over Ohio State in the playoff semifinal when Mike Williams had a huge day, somewhat at the expense of Denzel Ward. Yes, Keenan Allen might not play. I just think Mike Williams is a nightmare for the Browns. And Herbert's still Herbert. If it's any kind of shootout, I don't like the Browns' chances. And I think the Jacoby Brissett that we get depends on how much stress you put on Jacoby Brissett. And I think playing Justin Herbert might ha- cause the Browns to have to raise their expectation level with the throw game. And I'm not sure that Jacoby Brissett can rise to it. So I have basically the same score as Mary Kay. Mary Kay said 32-27. I say 31-27 Chargers. That would be a good podcast topic. You should have said Player- Browns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the players, the Browns would least want to That's fight. That is a fantasy draft begging to be oh, in yeah. the offseason. Tune in. I'm taking June, Mike Williams. Tune in I'm on June them. 13th next year when we draft the players the Browns least want to face. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Real oh, go quick. Ahead. Okay. Ashley, I just wanted to offer you uh, a phrase for your uh, for your little argument there, and it was Chargers is the Browns. The Chargers is the Browns. <laughs> I think you you might owe Juju Smith Schuster some royalties on that one, but I I like it. You know, it, that's a great that's a great one. It's true. They basically are the Browns. It is it's a better quarterback uh, right now. But, but I I will say the Jaguars are better. I think than any team the Browns have played, and they almost they had a seventeen seven lead on the Chiefs. They're both two and two. The Chargers are a little below expectations. They've played a much tougher schedule. Yeah, I think the Raiders right. might be better than any team the Browns have played. I guess so, like in, when we say that, when Dan and I have been talking about this, like Dan's point is always like, that's basically them like every year recently. Like they come in with super high expectations last year and don't even make the playoffs. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's Houston, it fell their way, but they're they're comparable. I would it's, say, right? it's two teams that every year you go in and it's like, oh, this team is super talented and look at all these dudes they have. And then they go nine and eight or eight yeah. and nine or they lose in the wild card round or whatever. It's... They're very, they're, they've been very similar over the last few years. So, Doug, you made some of the points I, I was going to make, and and it just comes down to, I I need I need to see it. I need to see it from this Browns team. And when I look at that Chargers schedule, like you said, Jacksonville, I think is better. Like like this isn't the old Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're a good team. Um, I think the Raiders are not as bad as their record. I agree with you on that. I. Look, I even think the Texans are like kind of feisty. But if we're being honest, the Chargers were blowing them out for a lot of that game. And then the Texans came back. The Chargers tried to charge her a little bit and and they ended up hanging on. Um, The the Chargers in the first half against the Texans went touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. Yeah. They they couldn't be stopped in the first half. Yeah. And then they, you know, it used to be called Clemsoning, right? Well, in the NFL, it's charging. That's what you do. I just, for for me, this Browns team, I don't think this is as bleak, this game, as some, like, it's really easy to say, oh, they're just going to have wide open receivers running free, and they're just going to hit a bunch of chunk plays. I don't think that's going to happen. I I think there probably will be some big Mike Williams play. I mean, we talked about that. But I do think the Browns are going to compete in this game, and I think they're going to make it interesting because they have Miles Garrett and because they have Nick Chubb, and those are two. Those are going to be two of the best players on the field on Sunday for sure. But I just can't shake the fact that this team is barely two and two, 
and they've played Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and Marcus Mariota. So I just need to see them like come out and prove me wrong in this game. Come out and win a game that I don't think you should win. And then I'm starting to think, okay, this team will be fine. Until then, I I can't. I can't think they're going to go out there and beat the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert. So I think it'll be a close game. I don't think the Browns will cover that two points. I think they'll come close. I got to stay away from the score. Doug and Mary Kay both said I was kind of in that range too. Um, I'm going to say that the Chargers win this game 35 to 28. So essentially the same score that Doug and Mary Kay picked, but (laughs) just a little higher. I mean, if, if Joey Bosa were in this game, I just think Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa together are just dynamite. If he were playing this game, if Keenan Allen, again, he didn't practice again today. If he were in this game, if their left tackle were in this game, it would have been an easy pick for me. It's, it was made a lot more difficult by those three guys being out. Yeah. So I, I needed some filler in a podcast earlier this week. So I did this little NFL playoff committee of one. It was like the college football playoff committee. And I couldn't put the Browns in the playoffs because oh, of man, their That sounds fun. Oh, yeah, you, can, you <laughs> guys can hop cool. in. I just needed I just needed some filler at the end of a pod. Jump in sometime. Oh. Yeah. No, next time you have a playoff committee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that sounds <laughs> oh, fun. God. I'll call is, you. What have you done, Dan? Why did you mention this with Doug on here still? <laughs> All right. Well, okay, yeah. Then, then we should stop. We've thrown out like four just really good pod podcast ideas, t-shirt ideas. Our listeners are going to be just profiting off of this podcast if they they put some of these ideas into action. All right, uh, that'll do it. Our big Browns Chargers preview pod. Uh, My thanks again to Lance Reisland for joining us and talking Chargers with us earlier in the show. Um, Look, make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. We do a pregame chat before every game with our texters. You want to get involved with that. Uh, You want that newsletter that comes to your inbox every single day that's written by one one of the members of this podcast most days uh and of course you want access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown so you just go there click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up and also please make sure you subscribe to this podcast uh orange and brown talk podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify for doug mary Kay, ashley and i am dan thanks for listening everybody